0: Hi, and welcome to the Automotive Tech Info podcast, the program where technicians talk to technicians, offering diagnostic tips in 10 minutes or less. This podcast is brought to you by Automotive Tech Info to help you learn while you listen. I'm your host, Tony Mala, and we'll be presenting information for and by automotive technicians in a unique learning opportunity to grow your knowledge, insight, and understanding of the automotive technology you see in the shop every day, one nugget at a time. All right, we're back talking with Scott Brown, co-owner of Connie and Dick's Auto Service in Claremont, California, and a well-known trainer. Those of you who follow this podcast know that we've been talking a lot about ADAS with Scott. He's one of the resident experts in the industry on the topic, and it goes beyond just the technical. In our last episode, you may recall, we talked a little bit about some of the research that needs to be done, and we also included a conversation about some of the education that needs to be done, not just on the employee side, but on the customer side. And we're going to continue that conversation right now, because again, there's a lot to this that is new and different that we need to adjust our business models to accommodate. Scott, again, welcome back. Looking forward to continuing our conversation. Hey, Tony, happy to be here. We were talking about the need to educate our customers about some of the systems. They may not even be aware or on the vehicle, but if we're going to service these things, we also need to do a lot more research than we ever did before. We talked about that. And it's important to train not just your technicians, but all of your customer-facing service writers and everyone else as to how these systems function. And let's focus on that for a minute. Service advisors are really the touchpoint between the customer's problem and the, the technician's understanding of what needs to be done. What do you do in your business to make sure that your service consultants are being trained properly on not just the features, but how do they identify when these things are on the vehicles? What do you do? So we've held some short little
1: ad hoc trainings where during the workday, you know, we've got a parking lot there out in the front and it can hold about 20 vehicles that faces our our uh, office. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll either take one or maybe two staff members out front, front office staff, and walk around some vehicles and ask them to start to identify certain things. And, you know, the first thing that I tell people is that we walk up to the car and you can quickly look Look up in the windshield to see if you see a camera. That'll be some indication that there may be some work that needs to be done. Some cars have visible radar sensors, you know, up in the front, lower, below the bumper area. Some will actually have like a distinguishing mark, but it may not be very obvious, but you'll see like a little black plastic panel versus the other side of the vehicle may have a different looking panel. So that's an indication that there may be something behind it. And then some cars actually have different style uh, logos on the very front center of the vehicle as well. Some that are non-three-dimensional, they may look like a three-dimensional object, but they're not. They're uh, kind of a translucent looking um, logo. That's an indication that there might be one there as well. Hmm. And service advisor would be advised to have a flashlight that they might be able to look up behind there or through the grill and identify whether there's something on there. It's important for them to know these things because they could play a role when trying to uh, perform an estimate on certain operations. The other thing that I recommend is that, you know, when they're walking in, they're getting the the mileage, right? We're turning the key on. Look at all the lights that turn on. Usually you've got a gauge bulb annunciation type check during that process, and that will give you some indication of what's on there. Look at the controls on the steering wheel or on the, for the cruise control. Some of them will give you an indication on whether it's got adaptive cruise, if you see those, uh, what looks like descending lines, so you're you're able to control the gap or the following gap. Also, looking at the mirrors, sometimes the side view mirrors will have indicators uh, telling you that there's a a blind spot type system on the vehicle. Mm. I'm not sure if you're aware, the listeners are aware, but all vehicles manufactured after May of 2018 have to have a backup camera system. So backup cameras are are mandated. And so, um, you know, the backup cameras are important. We've had customers that come in and they're complaining that their backup cameras don't work. And sure enough, these things are failing. Not only that, but there's harness issues that cause them to fail. So those are the things that we primarily uh, focus on. And then we're also telling them, hey, you've got to look for that service information. And it may not be in the normal place that you would expect that information to come from. So those are the things that we do. And then, of course, you always want to continually practice honing in on that uh, and mastering that inspection process. And I will tell you, we had one vehicle in here yesterday that was really interesting. Toyota Camry came in, not for any type of ADAS stuff, but uh, we were doing some inspection and some work on the key fobs. And I had walked by this car and looked at the center-facing camera and made an observation. It, It looked like something was odd. Well, normally those cameras have like a trapezoidal look. They expand, they fan out. And this one, it has like these two sides that uh, kind of block out light. Well, it looked like this car probably was in a very high temperature environment. The plastic actually melted and it curved in and was a clean part of the lens for that. And uh, we asked the customer if they had experienced any warning lights or anything. And they said, no. So that was really kind of an odd thing. That thing is going to need a camera. So think about the service aspect. These things down the road, you know, they get 10 years, 15, 20 years old. There are things that are going to have an impact on their functionality. And we'll be able to put these vehicles back into service and get them properly calibrated and keep those systems operating for the
0: consumer. We'll return to our interview after this word from our sponsor. Automotive Tech Info provides professional technicians with a regular diet of repair information on BMW, Mercedes-Benz, Nissan, Toyota, Volvo, Volkswagen, Audi, Porsche, and more. It's free access to technical knowledge and insight from professional technicians for professional technicians. Simply register at www.automotivetechinfo.com to gain access to our database of technical wisdom that is easy to use and searchable by keyword, vehicle manufacturer, or publish date. It's a convenient technical resource to keep you ahead of what's coming into your shop every day. For more information, visit our website at AutomotiveTechInfo.com. And now, back to our interview. You know, it's not just about new information. It's about finding new things that can go wrong. Exactly, yeah. You had mentioned one good source of information is ICAR, and that is a group, it stands for the Inter-Industry Congress on Automotive Collision Repair. But again, everybody knows them as ICAR, they're a well-known training organization. All they do is training, but just for collision repair shops. They work with a lot of the manufacturers to actually develop the repair processes sometimes on the collision side. And of course, everyone is working with the car manufacturers to try to get what information is necessary in order to service these ADAS systems that we're discussing done properly. Would you gauge finding these types of ADAS identification tips difficult or easy, or, or is it just knowing where to look? I would classify it as somewhat difficult at this time. Some manufacturers
1: are pretty straightforward. You know, you look at the process, it's as if at the end of, that, say, the wheel alignment, It'll say that the vehicle is equipped with a lane watch type camera or what have you Mm -hmm. perform this calibration and they usually link you right to the calibration process. So, you know, again, it may be in the labor guide. So think about who is looking at what information. And this is why we tell our service staff to make sure you cover all the bases. In fact, whenever we get a car in for a wheel alignment, we are now leaning on the assumption that we will need to do some sort of camera calibration and uh, we'll really step up the research mode on that. Because the last thing you want to do is perform a service operation and do it improperly, right? Not carry out a process that the manufacturer uh, had intended the service personnel to carry out. Hmm. And then, you know, a lot of, a lot of shops, I think, there are kind of hesitant to get into this because they're not sure of what kind of equipment they're going to need. And it really is up to what type of vehicles are you working on? And I think we, we did cover that in our previous segment. So you know, look at your fleet, look at what you're dealing with, and don't be afraid of this stuff. This technology is not going away. It's going to continue to populate the vehicle more and more with these systems to help the consumer or help the driver, one, drive more safely, but two,
0: reduce their workload. That's, that's basically what it's all about. And you know, that's at the heart of all this stuff is safety. I know they say safety doesn't sell. I consider that right at the top of the list when I'm looking for a vehicle because it's got me in it and of course my family in it. So it's really important. And that's what these systems are designed to do is to, in many ways, just actually correct for driver error. And for this reason, I worry a little bit that we're essentially conditioning our entire population that is driving anything younger than 2018 vehicles with assistance that they may not be aware that they're getting Mm -hmm. when they take that corner a little bit too fast on a rainy day and they get through it Mm -hmm. and think, oh, what a good driver I am. Mm -hmm. And the next time they do that, There's a glitch in the system. The ADAS system isn't working. And all of a sudden they're in the guardrail and don't know what happened. So the functionality of these systems is going to be important to, I would think, be verified from time to time. And that's going to be part of the responsibility of the individual who's checking in the vehicle for service. How do you educate your staff on the functionality? I mean, this is something I know the technicians would be aware of because they're diagnosing issues all the time. But how much or little does, say, a service consultant need to know? About the functionality of the ADAS systems in order to not just properly explain what's being done to the customer, but to identify what needs to be invoiced on the service order. This is time that you're spending and and you know and expertise that needs to be built for. How do you do all that? Yeah, that's part of the challenge of this service environment that we're in, right? The
1: automobile is one of the most complex devices that a human is going to interact with in their lifetime. You know, one of the things that I really feel strongly about is that. All service personnel need to get seat time in these high-featured vehicles so that they really understand what they're doing, what their capabilities are, understand the varying levels of effectiveness that some of these systems have. You know, another good source of information is the owner's manual, right? Hmm. That used to be called the most unread novel of all times, right? Nobody reads a service uh, manual. The service manual calls out a lot of these systems. And uh, you think about the, the manufacturer has to basically somewhat lay it all on the line there on description and operation. And they also describe when the system doesn't seem to work quite right. So that is basically called the operational design domain. So the conditions in which that system that's on the vehicle is supposed to work. So always reading and absorbing new sources of information to keep yourself highly aware of all of the challenges out there is the key because, again, these systems are, are not going away. And, you know, we need to get our consumers to really appreciate them. Some of the earlier systems, you know, we've had consumers that I've interviewed, I'll, I'll usually ask them, hey, how do you like this? How do you like that? And I asked a guy a couple of years ago with a brand new Subaru that came in. I asked him how he liked his adaptive cruise control and all that. And he says, oh, I don't use cruise control at all because people slow down and I have to disengage it all the time. And I explained to him, I said, well, you know, this actually has the adaptive feature to it where you don't have to do that anymore. And he looked at me puzzled. He says, it does. So these are the things that I think we as service professionals, uh, service providers We can earn consumer trust by having that high level of knowledge on how these systems work and helping our consumers get the most out of their vehicle. So it's all about being the service professional and have that high level of knowledge and and expertise to then gain that trust of the consumer. And I think that that's going to bode well for future
0: success in our business. And I couldn't agree more. And that's a great place to pause here. We're through our 10 minutes already. Time does fly when you're talking about something interesting, that's for sure. So we're going to continue this conversation. There's quite a bit more that we need to cover. But for now, Scott, I want to thank you for your time today. Uh, This is great as usual. And we'll look forward to our next episode. Uh, Happy to be here. And I'm very passionate about this uh, new technology, Tony. So thank you. Well, it shows. We'll talk to you next time.